Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm right there in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. And this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast, version 400. Wow. Yep, we made it to 400. The real question is, will we make it to 500? Vegas over and under. It's set at uh, 502. Only time will tell, because time, my friend, <laughs> has no secrets. Wow. I know, right? But we are simply asking that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we're going to do that today. We're going to have some fun. We got Cowboys conversation. It's, it's, it's crazy, crazy that Monday the Cowboys are flying to California. Wow. Tuesday they officially start training camp. Double wow. I mean, it is here, man. And it's just, it's, it's crazy to think where we're at. And I want everybody to think this weekend. Because this is your final weekend before the 2023 season. This will be your final weekend as you go into the season. The Cowboys win a Super Bowl. It's just amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You, you had me going until you said. I lost you. Come on. Come on. We, why, we can believe. Come on, man. Stop. Well, I, I've already decided that this football season, I'm going to put $100 aside a month to buy championship gear in February. I like that. I like that. I See, was just uh, talking to my son yesterday about budgeting just like that. You put money aside every month for the things that you want or vacations or championship gear. And then when that, those things happen, you're already covered. Yes, because if I do that August and then through January now, that's six months, which means in February I've got $600 that I can spend on Super Bowl champion hat, T-shirt, maybe a hoodie. Who knows what I'm going to do? And then if they don't win the Super Bowl, I've got $600 that I can use on whatever I want. Uh, my suspicion is you will have spent it on World Series gear. Okay, don't tease me. Because $600, yeah, I mean, that's... The lady already knows that if the Rangers win the World Series, there's a very good chance. I mean, I don't even know what I would do. I'm going hoodie, multiple t-shirts, probably more than one hat. I'm getting some sort of a flag. I might go get a Rangers championship tattoo. Who knows what will happen? <laughs> I like that, the championship tattoo. I'm down with it, Doug. Dude, I'm down with I, it. I mean, you are talking about, I'm not kidding when I say this, the first ever professional sporting event, first ever real sporting event I can recall ever going to was a Rangers game three stadiums ago. <laughs> and we used to go out there all the time as a kid, and that was like, like for 40 years, that's been my team. Wow. So if they win a championship. Yeah, baby. You know, you go back through all those memories of all those years of all those games, all the way back to when I was a little, little kid. I mean, I've always loved the Cowboys, but I don't know, like baseball was my first real love. I mean, I played baseball like crazy when I was a little kid and for years. So I don't know. I just I've right. always had an attachment to baseball that I, I just have not had on a on that deep on that long of a level for the other teams, which I do have a damn passionate relationship with all the other teams too. Well, I got to tell you, bro, they're a, I mean, I'm not breaking news here. They're a really good team. Yeah, they are. And I, I had a thought the other day. It could have been yesterday. You know, sometimes the days run together. I had a thought 
that even when the Astros creeped within two games and there was so much, it felt to me like panic in the streets. And I was just like, I took a look at the baseball standings. And I don't know if y'all realize this. Outside of the Braves, who were on, are on some kind of insane streak again where they've won, you know, no like doubt. 27 out of 34 or something. Yeah, they're, like they're, they're actually ridiculous. They have a nine-game lead. Every other division is like a game and a half mm -hmm. or two games, which yeah. meant at that time the Rangers were just like everybody else in baseball. You're fighting to win a division, and, you know, you got to hold off a couple of teams. Well, now their lead is up to four and a half, I think. And I'm just like, you know, they're a really good team. I think they got the second or third best record in baseball. And, um, you know, like they're, they're a really good team. They're a contender. Somebody's going to have to deal with the Rangers to win the World Series this year. They really are, man. And to your point, and, and I guess we can have our Rangers conversation to start off. Why not? We don't have to start say, with it Cowboys. Like, it seems like we're trending that way, so we might as well go out down that rabbit hole after we talk a little bit about how Greening Law is the best place to go if you got an issue with your car. Yeah, it is, man. I mean, if you get in a car accident, if you get injured to your person and it's not your fault, you very well might have a case, and that is where Greening Law might be able to help you because they were able to help me, and I've talked about this. I, don't, I honestly, truly do not know what I would have done if Greening Law hadn't stepped in and been like, hey, you have a case, we're going to go to bat for you. Because when I got in my car accident, which was 0% my fault, and I just was the benefit of the car that hit me that ran a light, the next car behind that car was a cop who saw the whole wow. thing. Wow. And, and so there was zero doubt that, hey, this guy, 0% fault in all this. You know, and I had to go to the hospital. I had a CAT scan. I had multiple x-rays. I had stuff that they had to run tests on, all this type of thing. And you're just racking this. And I'm just going, man, like, this is insane. Like, I didn't do anything. And so I call Greening Law that next Monday. And I, did, I have no idea. Do I have a case? I don't know. And they ask me a few questions. They get some information. And they go, yes, you do have a case. We're going to help you out here. And you talk about going to bat against the insurance companies and make sure that all my stuff gets taken care of and that I, really healing and going where I need to go, they're experts at that. I highly recommend if you find yourself in that situation, because it's a free consultation, you should at least give them a call and see if you've got a case. Oh, no doubt, man. And I think the thing about it is, uh, and they have been voted best car accident lawyers in Dallas, but I think the thing that you have to understand about them is, their expertise goes, goes a lot of ways in a lot of different places. And so it's basically if you've been injured somewhere, somehow away from home, whether it's medical malpractice, you know, or whether it's property accidents, workplace litigation, any of that kind of stuff, um, they can help you. And the thing about it is whenever you're going up against somebody else's insurance company, you need somebody because it can be a long, tedious process. They can walk you through it. They tell you where to look, when to walk, when to hold, when to move. And it's just somebody who's ride or die with you. And as Matt told you, the consultation's free. More important, they don't collect a single penny if you don't get paid. So they're working for you. Uh, they're working for you because they want to get paid, trust me, just like they want you to get paid. They want a win-win situation. And so if you've got an issue, pick up the phone, give Greening Law a call, 972-934-8900. Let them do the heavy lifting for you. You can thank us later. It's easy, man. Just give them a call. See if you've got a case. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So back to this conversation about the Rangers. And to your point, when you look around the scope of Major League Baseball, the Rangers have won six in a row. They just swept Cleveland coming out of the break. Cleveland, now granted, look, Cleveland's not a good team. They were, they're below 500 now. They were leading their division when they played the Rangers. They just swept Tampa. Tampa had the best record in the American League and was leading their division when they played the Rangers, and Texas just swept them. So now you've got Baltimore and Tampa tied in the AL East. You got the Twins with the two and a half game lead over Cleveland. You've got Milwaukee with the two and a half game lead over Cincinnati in the NL Central. And in the NL West, the Dodgers, who the Rangers started three game series with this weekend in Arlington, are leading the NL West by a game and a half over both Arizona and San Francisco. So what's interesting is the Rangers have a four and a half game lead over the Astros, the second largest divisional lead in Major League Baseball. They have a nine game lead over the Angels. 
So when you start looking at that and you look at where the third team is, I mean, every team in the NL East is within nine games of the divisional leaders. There are four teams in the AL Central within 10 games. There are three teams in the NL East, three teams in the NL Central, and four teams in the NL West. So what the Rangers are doing, not only are they creating separation between themselves and the Astros, I mean, that's what the division is. It's either the Rangers or the Astros winning this thing. And it's because of coming out of the break, some of the things, I mean, they just caught fire. But the way that they've beaten Tampa, thats I I tweeted this out the other night. I was like, man, this might be my favorite series of the season so far. Because not only did they sweep a really, really good team, they did it with pitching. Yeah, they did. Starting pitching, bro. I mean, they... They didn't score like one of the games of Cleveland when they they went bonkers and they scored a bunch of runs. But man, when you look at this thing, the way starting pitching that was phenomenal and the bullpen held up, you know, three, two in the first game with that walk off on the wild pitch, five, three in the second game when Seager came to bat late in the game and hit that three run home run and then five to one in the final game. But keep in mind, that was what, two to one late in the game on Wednesday night because the bullpen came in and kept them there. And I I think it was the eighth inning when Heim comes in and hits a three-run shot and then it's 5-1 to and you start to feel comfortable. They just swept the best team in the American League by record and they scored 13 runs in three games. This points out something else because, uh, and I sent you a picture because your boy went to the game where Seager hit the homer in the eighth. Uh, Took my, uh, my son and my grandson to the game, had a good time. Uh, and we'll we'll talk more about Globe Life uh, at the end when, after we talk about the baseball. But I was thinking about something as I was watching them play. Um, one of the things, and we can, we can talk about starting pitching and we can talk about bullpen. Dude, you know what their biggest deal is? They play some of the cleanest baseball in baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I think they're fifth in defense. They're fifth in I mean, I know we got a thousand metrics these days, but they're fifth in what I consider just very basic baseball, which is they've only committed 40-something errors. They, and they had a stretch of 10 or 12 games where they didn't commit an error. They make you earn their runs, man. And so they're not giving you anything. They're making you score uh, on your own accord. And the fact that they're a really good defensive team makes all their pitchers better yes. because the outs that you're supposed to get, you get. And when you give up a hit, if you give up hits, that's really okay if you get the outs that you're supposed to get. It's when you give up hits and you don't get the outs that you're supposed to get that, you know, drama tends to happen and and losses tend to occur. But the fact that they're such a good defensive team and they don't make very many mistakes, um, dude, and they don't walk a lot of guys now, um, they're just a really good team. Yeah, they're fifth in majors in errors with 41, and they're tied for fifth in fielding percentage. They're all, it, it's like Bruce Bochy came in here, and I really do think this kind of goes above him even. I'll be curious because the window is opening. This is the season in which the Rangers' ability to win a World Series is opening for the next few years. We'll see if they can get it done. They couldn't when it opened. God, man, probably the year before they went to the World Series the first time in 09. So you go all the way back to that. And they had about a five-year window. They extended it a little bit with some moves that kind of shredded their farm system when they probably really weren't a contender on, on, I'm talking World Series level. But man, the window's open. And it's going to be open for the next few seasons. And you look at what Chris Young has done coming in and taking over this thing and the Rangers ownership and their willingness to listen to what he's saying and the vision that they've built, bringing in Bochi, making the move an off season and off season to go for Simeon and Seager and convincing those guys, Hey, we sucked and won 60 games. Please sign with us. We're going to suck again, but I'm telling you this thing's going to be turning around. And for those guys, yes, they want the money obviously, but they also believed in what they were selling to take the money and some of the moves that they've made in the draft, I mean, you talk about hitting on Josh Young. I mean, my God, that, and I know it's early in his career, and I'm caught up in the moment, sure, but just based on what we've seen, you wonder, is he going to end up being the best Rangers draft pick of all time? You know, Pudge may have something to say about that, I guess, but it's just, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. And then, and we were talking about this earlier, you look at the moves they've made to sit here and say, the bullpen needs to change. 
And I'm not talking about an arm needs to be brought in. We need to change how this bullpen comes out on the field and attacks you. Right, right. And they're doing that. If you look at it, it's like um, they started when they got Chapman. And, I mean, if you know anything about baseball, you go, oh, he's a flamethrower. Okay, fine. They got a swing and miss guy. Uh, Will Smith is doing fine, but he's not a swing and miss guy. He's more of a finesse guy. But then you see what they're starting to do, man. They brought in Spees from the bull from uh, the minors, and he's just destroyed Double A AA and Triple A uh, mm-hmm. this year. If you don't know his story, he took a year off, basically had some mental health concerns. Uh, I think it was more of uh, just getting caught. He couldn't shake the the bad points that happened in baseball, and with it being a game of failure, if you can't shake the disappointments and the failures, then you're just you're just shot. And so he went and coached uh, youth baseball for a year in yeah, North Carolina yeah. uh, and then decided by watching those kids play with that simple joy for the game, it brought his joy back. And he, he showed back up uh, this year. And like I said, he's look at his stats. He's been destroying uh, people in, uh, in the minor leagues at AA and AAA. He's a power arm. He can reach 100 on the gun. Well, they brought him up yesterday. Uh, you got Spores, who's on the DL, who, who can throw swing and miss stuff. And all of a sudden, you see the transformation of the bullpen in terms of they're getting power arms lined up so that when the playoffs come, you can get a key strike out if you need it. Um, you've got options in the seventh and eighth inning, left and right, so that you can attack the way you want to attack. And don't forget, they haven't made their move yet. They're going to make a move or two at the trade deadline to get a reliever, I'm sure, mm-hmm. and add somebody probably with some experience who's a swing and miss guy from one of these teams as they fall out of the contention in the next uh, three weeks or so. So uh, you can see the transformation of the bullpen. Um, I still think they need another legit number two or three starter to really compete for the World Series. But I have every confidence that they're going to make a move and put themselves in position to win a title. I would agree with that. And it is phenomenal to see. Bringing in Araldis Chapman, it seemed like kind of a subtle move. And I know people are like, dude, he's like 36, whatever. But that guy, I mean, you talk about throwing over 100 nonstop, like every pitch he throws when he wants to. But he's so imposing when he's on the mound. The way that he he just kind of carries himself on the mound, it, it, it just feels like guys are feeding in the bullpen, I mean, are feeding off what he's doing. It's been cool to see, man. Chapman was really, really good recently. Will Smith has been awesome on the back end. You kind of wonder, because Grant Anderson, had he seems up and down ever since they brought him in and he had that crazy debut. He had a really good outing the other night. And then Spees, in his Major League debut, had faced four batters. I, I want to say struck out three of them and retired four straight and, and looked like, dude, not only does he have crazy high heat, his fastball is a little wild, and you could tell it got really inside a couple of times. And Tampa dude's like, oh, hell. And then he'd throw in that slider, and they just were guessing at it. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's nasty stuff. Yeah, and that was uh, – Jonah Heim talked about it after the game. He's like, well, his uh, fastball was a little uh, out of control, so we used that to our advantage. And then we got guys uh, with the off-speed stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a uh, – it's an interesting thing that they got going on. They were struggling going into the break. I think some of it was just the schedule was a beat down. And then, as we tried to tell you, every baseball team goes through a funk. You know, the Astros have gone through a funk, um, you know, at a couple of different times this year. It happens. The, the Rays are going through theirs right now. You just have to stay the course if you're a good team and understand that the baseball season is a marathon. That's, that's truly what it is. And so – the Rangers are uh, they're in a good spot right now. They're back to playing with a lot of confidence. And, uh, you know, man, I just look to see, like, the Dodgers are coming in. Their record is better than the Dodgers' record. The Dodgers are just the Dodgers, and so you feel like, wow, you know, the Rangers got uphill battle. Yeah. But, no, nah, they're literally as good as the Dodgers. And so it should be another three games of good baseball. And, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see how they play because I look much more – for how they play than whether they win or lose. Like when they went to Tampa and lost two out of three, it was basically they played good baseball, they just lost two out of three. Um, you know, when that stretch, when they were playing poorly, um, you know, they were they just weren't playing as well uh, and pitching and they were getting yeah. behind early. But here's what you got to understand. Um, 
because I just checked it out. Do you do y'all realize that the Rangers lead Major League Baseball in run differential by 19 runs? Like Tampa's second at 145, mm-hmm. Rangers are plus 166. That's a big deal. Yeah, some of it's because they had a lot of blowouts, but still, they lead all of baseball, even at Braves, in run differential. And that means that they're a legitimate good team. Yeah, they're doing a lot of really good things. I fully expect them to make the playoffs, and now it becomes, can you just stun the world? And I tweeted this out the other night, and I saw that you saw this. I mean, this is a team two years ago that won 60 games. Last year won 68 games. They're off on Thursday as we record this, and then they open the series with the Dodgers Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They have 58 wins right now with 65 games left. They are on a pace to win 97, 98 games. Now, are they going to get there? I don't know. But, man, anything over 90 for a team that won 68 a year ago is stunning. And don't forget, they're going through one of their toughest parts of their schedule right now. Yeah, dude, because after the Dodgers, you're headed to Houston. Yeah, uh, for yet another big series. And, um, you know, and, and this time we hope, because the, the Astros caught them when they were in the middle of that slump uh, where they played poorly for about a month, went, I think, 16 and 19. Well, they're back to playing good baseball now. And so it'll be a highly charged, very intense, uh, really good, fun series. And, uh, you know, uh, the Astros, uh, it, it's just, it's just going to be really good. So this is a fun time in the season, man. It is a fun time. And the Astros, who were making up some ground, well, they're just 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They're 16-14 and 14 in their last 30, which is exactly what the Rangers are in their last month, 16-14. and 14. So it's going to be really interesting to see between those two teams. But you got to get through the Dodgers first. Then that brings us up to the trade deadline, which is coming up at the end of the month. You got less than two weeks until the Major League Baseball trade deadline. The Rangers, I think, would love, as you just mentioned, to get a high-level starting pitching arm. I think they'd love to get a some sort of high-level, an, add another bullpen arm. And you just kind of wonder, okay, if you need a high-level pitching arm, what would it take to pry the best player in baseball away from the Angels in individual trade an Angels team, and their their owner, man, continues to act like he's not going to trade Otani. That would be, if I was an Angels fan and they didn't trade Otani, I'd be livid. He's not going to re-sign with the Angels. He wants to go to a team where he can win. Right. And you, if you're the Angels, whose farm system is garbage, have an opportunity to approach, let's say, the Rangers and say, okay, You want Otani, it's going to cost you. But the Rangers have a farm system. And one of the most intriguing things about their farm system, you got a guy in Luis on the Acuna's brother, Luis on hell Acuna. You got, you got a guy in Sebastian Walcott and you got a guy in Justin Foscue. Those are three of their top seven or eight prospects in the organization. All three of those names I just mentioned play middle infield or third base where you are set for the next seven, eight years. So I wonder would a, a, a collection like that, and I don't know, Walcott may be about to be untouchable because he is in, I think he's in high A or low A, and that right. dude is like tearing stuff up and he's 17 years old. Oh boy. But you have that, and then I wonder, could you throw in a Jack Leiter? Would you throw in a Brock Porter, who are your two of your top three prospects pitching-wise, along with Owen White, and you give them a four or five prospect package for Otani in which they get some really good prospects. Honestly, two of them are you are probably never going to be able to play for the Rangers because of the fact they're blocked in the middle infield. Well, here's a bigger question. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think you just have to decide, uh, are you really a championship-caliber team? Does Otani make you a World Series or bust team? Uh, and are you? Are, do you think everything else is set up for you to do that right now? Uh, excuse me. And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it's it's captivating and it's tantalizing. But uh, I'm just like, are you ready to go there yet? You know, 
And I think I'm almost ready to go there, but I'm just not sure yet. I feel like I, I am to figure it out because all of a sudden you've got a guy who becomes your ace, your number one starter. And you've got a guy, you're just adding a crazy bat in the middle of the order again in a lineup that already is, as you pointed out, that run differential. They're one of the most potent lineups offensively in all of Major League Baseball. Now, my my one caveat on that is, are you willing to part because a guy like Otani for an in-division trade is going to cost you probably more than, say, if the Angels are going to send them to the NL Central or some crap? I don't know that they necessarily want to trade him in the division. And they may say, look, we'll trade him, but you got to throw in this guy. From what I've read, it sounds like Evan Carter is untouchable. I don't know how many people realize this. Wyatt Langford, the dude they just drafted. Yeah. Baseball America has him as the number 11 prospect in all of baseball and immediately the Rangers number one prospect. Is that right? Yes. I was not aware that he is already the top prospect. Like right off the bat. And so if Carter and Langford are untouchable and they both play in the outfield, which are positions where there will be a spot for them very quickly here, you don't have to trade all of your pitching prospects. I mean, their farm system is deep and really, really good. Is it, would you be willing to make that trade if you have no idea if Otani's re-signing with you? Well, see, that's to me is the that's the that's the sixty four thousand dollar question. Yeah, like if I thought he was resigning, it's no brainer. Yeah, let's go do it. Um, but if I don't, I'm like, damn, I can't. I don't want to give up everything for two months. And to me, that's always just like trying to figure out how to, you know, that's the that's the question you got to ask. That's the risk you got to take. That's what you got to figure out if you want to do. And it's hard as hell to figure it out. Yeah, and, and if there's some way, and I don't know that he would. you can't lie to yourself. You got to tell yourself the truth about yeah. if we get Otani, are we sure? To me, you got to be like, can Evaldi pitch in the playoffs? Can this, can Gray pitch in the playoffs? You know, how, you know, all those things. Because we're, we're all in if we make it. Yes, and I'll, I'll tell you this. If you, if, it was a, if you knew, and you'll never know, and this cannot be guaranteed, but if it could, if trading for Otani wins the Rangers a World Series, literally to me, you could trade the entire farm system and I would not care. <laughs> and you could be like, okay, we're going to win the World Series, but we're going to go back to winning like 70 games, 65 games a year for the next five years because we have no farm system. I'd be like, I'm in, sign me up. Let me see. Do you feel like that about the Mavericks? Do you still have those sweet memories from the Mavericks and that sustains you when they frustrate you? No, but that's been 12 years now. <laughs> But for five years, yes. For five years, I'm good. There's a five-year window when your team wins a championship. Uh, okay. I appreciate the honesty. I mean, that's just reality, man. And, and so I'll be very curious to see what they do. And then I wonder, is there some way, somehow, you know, maybe you work this out. And, and again, the agent could just be like, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And then double birds to you in the offseason. But, you know, is there some sort of a, hey, if we're going to make this move, can we either pre-agree to an, a, an extension or can we have the right to match whatever offer you get? I mean, yeah, I think you can have those conversations, but they don't mean anything. Right, and that's the thing. I don't know. And that's my <laughs> biggest concern because I really, I mean, look, even without Otani, this this team is, is on that level. Are they better than the Braves? No. Did, could they beat Tampa in a seven-game series? I don't know. Their pitching staff is not as good as Tampa's. Outside of that, I mean, I don't know, man. The Astros are going to be a difficult out. The Orioles are loaded, and they're stacked for the future. Dude, the Orioles are – nobody pays any attention to the Orioles, and they've got, like, the uh, second-best record in baseball. They're the really good, man. in the they're, American League. They're very similar to the Rangers. They've got some good arms. Their farm system's deep, and they got some really good young players. They're not going anywhere. They, I think the Orioles are opening their window as well. It's just going to be interesting because when you look around the American League, because you got to obviously do that before you can even talk World Series, you're going to have to play Tampa in the playoffs, most likely. You're going to have to probably play the Orioles. The Astros are going to be there. And then the Rangers. The, NL, the AL Central's trash. Nobody from that division is doing anything. The Yankees have really fallen off. Who knows if Judge is coming back. And man, you, you kind of look at that and you go, is there somebody out there that can put us at the top of this four-team gathering 
in the American League to position us for a chance and a shot at a World Series. And this is going to be a really interesting trade deadline for this franchise. So we'll yeah, see. But let's, yeah. let's move forward here and tell you about Freeway Tire Shop. JR, our guy over there at Freeway Man, doing the work, standing behind it. You can trust him. It's high quality. He's fantastic, the customer service. And it's everything. It's not just, oh, you came in for an oil change. Yeah, whatever. It's, okay, cool. You came in for a state inspection and oil change. They treat you and stand behind that work the same they do as, hey, we had to take your engine apart. It's just a phenomenal mechanical <laughs> shop. Um, dude, I think it's uh, the reason I rock with JR is you can trust him, man. And, I, you know, it's the reason why you go to a certain doctor because you trust the doctor and what he says about your personal health care. You want to trust your mechanic and what he says about your personal car care. And so I trust JR to give me a quick, fair, honest diagnosis of my issue. I trust him to use quality parts. I trust him to charge me a fair freaking price in today's world. And then, dude, I trust him to stand behind his work. Uh, he does all those things on a consistent basis. That's why I rock with JR. And I'm telling you, if your mechanic doesn't do those things, then you need to take your car right up the street to 35E uh, going north toward Denton. Get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes from downtown, literally. Go through the light. Look to the right. There he is. You cannot, will not miss him. Hey, say you're a Jam fan, and uh, you can thank us later, man, because he'll do fantastic work for your car. He will indeed. You can check him out online, freewaytireshop.com. And as we always mention, and, and I, I just think that this is such a great idea because a lot of you, I mean, hell, I have more time on the weekends. You can zip on over to Freeway, drop your tire off, your tire, maybe it is dropping your tire off, drop your car off. Get an Uber and go around the corner about five minutes to Smokey John's Barbecue. And you can knock them both out. You get your car taken care of. You get a great meal, elite level barbecue, and you can experience the Jam Session Bowl, which I'm pretty sure when you get to the gates of heaven, St. Peter's is sitting there <laughs> snacking on a Jam Session Bowl. I love that. And, I hadn't really thought about that. And you're like, Pete, where did you get that? And he's like, oh, you don't know? It's a Jam Session Bowl. But I'm a Jam fan. And maybe you too can experience something so heavenly. Yeah, man. It starts with a mac and cheese base or a mashed potato base. Both of them are superb. It's just your personal preference. And then two out of five smoked meats, man. The, the chicken and brisket is how I usually get down. If not, it's the sausage and brisket for me. And then all the stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, a loaded baked potato like sour cream and chives and bacon bits and butter oh, and cheese, man. They put all that on top. And then if you're a drencher like Matt, they drench it with sauce. If you're a drizzler like your boy, then they drizzle it with sauce, and it's to live for, man. If you got a little shorty, seriously, three of y'all can eat off of it. If it's just two people, two of y'all can eat off of it. And, um, you know, uh, I've, I've seen one person kill it a few times, but that's few and far between. Uh, but Jam Session Bowl is fantastic. It's on the secret menu. Uh, just order it. People will be like, hey, what is that? Where did I, I didn't see that. What is that? You explain it to them, not too loudly, and then go enjoy. You're going to love it. And you'll love anything you get because it's Smokey John's, and they're freaking phenomenal. They're awesome. The food is just, I've mentioned this before, but literally, you're like, ah, jam session bowl seems like a lot. I don't know. Maybe you don't want that. Get the ribs. Get the sausage. Get the brisket. Get, you're like, well, which one's the best? It's, it's the barbecue place where, I mean, you can't go wrong. You could just blindly throw a dart at the menu, and whatever it lands on, you'll eat it. But holy crap, this is good. It's Smokey John's, man. Go check them out. So a quick trip around the block because I saw this the other day, and I honestly, I, I can't, I don't know the answer. I'm trying to think. So National Hot Dog Day was this week. <laughs> and I got, to, I was like, when was the last time you ate a hot dog? Like, Bruh. not a brat, not a sausage, a legit hot dog. Bro, uh, real talk. For me, it's probably been, this is just real talk. For me, it's probably been 10 years. I seem to remember... I'm, I'm trying because I don't eat them. I seem to remember having one at uh, at the ballpark when I was covering the Rangers, and I didn't have a lot of choices one night, and I just rolled with it. But even if I had one 10 years ago, it would be like I had one in 10 years, and I've probably had 
two in the last 25 years. It'd be something like that because, dude, hot dogs just, they just gross me out, brother. I yeah. can tell you. And I was seeking the and same I, thing. But let me ask you something because I'll kill a sausage. So why am I so opposed to a hot dog but not a sausage? That's a really good question, and I, I wonder... I don't know because I think it's because now for me I think it's because all I ever heard was hot dogs were made out of junk, and sausage is made out of goodness. Sausage like is made out of goodness, so like it's sausage, it's it's flavorful, and they put some spices in it. Yeah, it's like they put it like they take true. all the excess stuff and wrap it up and make a hot dog out of stuff that they don't want, whereas sausage is made out of stuff that you do want. Now that could be completely uh, nonsensical. But all I know is hot dogs gross me out. Now, here's the real question. When's the last time I bought a pack of hot dogs? Golly. Bro, that's probably been 30 years because I didn't even raise my kids on them. Like, you know, most times you might have hot dogs for your kids. Nah, bro, my kids never ate hot dogs. Yeah, and I can't remember the last time I had one. Matter of fact, let me ask. If my son is up, I'm going to text him. When's the last time you had a hot dog? I mean, it has been years. But like you're talking about, like I've had brat. Like I'll eat a bratwurst. Yeah. And I'll eat a sausage. Like I eat chicken sausage every morning with my eggs. I eat a, a chicken sausage link that I cut up and throw in my eggs. Right. But I've gotten so particular about it. I mean, it's, I mean, the chicken that I'm using is cage free organic chicken meat, you know? So <laughs> bougie ass. Ah, what can you do, man? <laughs> I, once you get down that rabbit hole, it's impossible to go back. It is. It is. I made the mistake. This is a very quick exit. I made the mistake of having some organic strawberries the other day. And I was like, oh, I think I screwed up. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> because they tasted so good. I was like, oh, I think I've really I've really messed up because I don't know if I can eat the regular ones anymore. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> there's a difference. I was talking about this. I was telling my brother and I'll tell you this, like pasture raised open eggs open range yeah open yeah, range chickens that literally are allowed to live like a chicken should live versus the eggs that you you most of us are cheap and cheaper i should say and easy to eat the difference in taste between the two is amazing now i will say this those open range eggs are so expensive that yeah, i do the in between where i get the cage free ones and i did some research on the egg farm in which i buy my eggs from this y'all forgive me for a second because I got to get real with y'all. I try to I try to control myself, but sometimes I lose myself. This motherfucker just said he did research on the egg farm. Okay, he made me go there. I did not want to go there. Matt knows I love him. This motherfucker here said he researched the egg farm. Who does that? Now, I apologize. I'm just saying. Mom, Mom McLaren, I'm sorry. Lady Fiance, Mom, oh. I, I'm really, I'm really apologetic because I haven't even met you yet. McLaren, Mom, knows I love her. I'm sorry. He made me do it. <laughs> I didn't want to. He made me do it. He researched oh. the egg farm. I wanted to know because this is my green, boy. You know. Just because you see cage free, it doesn't that it, like not all egg farms use it the same way. <laughs> Who cares? You got to know, like how much are you being shoved into a cage and force fed? And then other times you're like, oh, OK, so you actually have some space and the majority of right. your life is in a smaller space than open range. But you are cage free and they're feeding you, you whatever. You know what I'm thinking now? They are holding the chicken's nose, forcing his beak open. And thrusting food down his throat. I mean, some some do kind of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're shooting them full of hormones, and they're not really feeding them natural food and stuff. And then you, you it comes out in the egg or the meat, and you're putting it in your body. I know. Oh, I went down the rabbit hole, and I can't make myself not think of these things. I read too many books on food and the science of food, and every time I, I look at certain food, I just I think of the chemical makeup and what's in it. <laughs> I screwed yes. myself, and I can't go back. <laughs> it's hard, bro. It is. I know. It's I, I, I feel you at one level. I, re I really do. It's my own because, fault. Because, uh, you know, I'm like that with hot dogs. I'm just not like that with everything. Yeah, and I've become like that pretty much with almost everything. <laughs> it's what it is, but yes. Wow. It's, I mean, information's available for you if, if you want to find out what it means. 
And the funny thing yeah. is, is like there's a lot of things like when you buy food, there's certain little symbols that usually are on the front of the packaging or whatever that I never knew what a lot of that meant until I started getting into this. And now I know, oh, this means wild caught fish or this means that it's it's grown this way or whatever. It was fed this type of stuff. And, and I mean, right. You, but you don't know what any of it means because I don't know what I used to think it was. And now I, I kind of know like these little symbols they put down there, especially on meat determine a lot of different things and how that meat product was raised and where it comes from and that type of stuff. Yeah. Which no, I think it, uh, dude, it, it, to me at one level is so very frustrating because you know, you, I'm just talking about some strawberries, but it's like everything you eat. It's like, dude, I'm trying to live a healthy life just so, you know, I don't know that it guarantees me more years, but I hope that it guarantees the years that I have are, are uh, fully functional. But then, man, you, you know, you can do all that stuff and what you eat, you're putting poison in your body and you don't even realize it. And it's just like, jeez. So it gets a little frustrating. Well, the, the crazy thing is, you know, especially like with fruit, you talk about you had the organic strawberries. Bro. Well, the key with, with organic is they don't use the pesticides and stuff that they use on non-organic. So strawberries are one of the most contaminated fruits that exist if you don't go organic. Right. And they'll find, I mean, traces of like a couple hundred different types of pesticides and whatnot on strawberries. Even after you take them home and wash them, it's still on them. Yeah. So when you get non-organic, you're like, well, it costs more, but it's the amount of stuff that is on them is colossally less than a a non-organic approach. Now, what's really funny about that is, and I read this somewhere, recently like within the last month and it because i was uh you know i'm i'm still kind of a picky eater i only like a few things but i like strawberries i like pineapple i like blueberries and so that's kind of like my fruit uh that's what i consume but somebody did something and said if you here's why you wash the strawberries which i do but they're like here's why you wash them and they put a microscope on a strawberry dude and there's like a zillion things floating around on that thing yeah, little bugs uh, and whatnot that we can't even yeah, see. Yeah, you know, all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, for real. Like, a, like, literally, there was like a whole universe of stuff on the strawberry. And they're like, this is why you wash them. Right here. Here's why. <laughs> I was just like, wow. It can be depressing if you let it get to you. Yeah, it's what it is, man. I mean, and it's, you know, I mean, nothing is perfect anymore because we've been contaminating the earth for so long with a variety of different things. You know, there's the argument, like farm-raised fish, for instance. That, okay, they're raised farm, and that's not their natural state, but is it better to eat that than it is to eat wild-caught? Well, depending on what part of the ocean and where they're getting it wild-caught, it may be because there's so much plastics in the ocean now that the fish that you eat that are wild-caught may have plastic that they've ingested. You know I mean? What do you do? Who knows? This goes goes back to the – I went through a phase in my life where I was like, you know, it doesn't really matter because everything gives you cancer. Uh, You know, so, you know, I think you just try to do the best you can and – live the life you choose to live and you know try to work out and eat as healthy as you can and ask for blessings <laughs> that's what it comes down to that's what it comes down to at the end of the day but you just try to do the best that you can and i will say this since i've drastically changed my diet over the course of the last year or so and let me tell y'all he's drastically changed his diet and and it's i just feel better I, I believe sl- it, I sleep way better. I have, and I always had energy, but I feel like I have more energy. Part of that is my working out and stuff. I mean, I do a lot of that as well, but I just feel, I don't know. It's always um, interesting. Like I can, I can go to bed and I can fall asleep within five minutes and sleep a solid seven to eight hours of wonderful sleep and wake up feeling refreshed and ready to go. No, there's something to that. Uh, when I clean up my diet and I'm eating the way I'm supposed to, I always feel better. Uh, I was talking to my son about it because uh, he's he's really into health and fitness now. I mean, y'all most of y'all know he was an athlete. But, yeah, uh, he was a. I would say he was never a fat kid. He was a borderline fat kid for a while. Then he was a chubby kid for a while, and then once he became an athlete, probably around the middle of the seventh grade, he's been very conscious about working out and stuff since then. And now he's a. Uh, I'm not gonna say he's on Matt's level, but he's in the conversation. 
Like uh, we were talking about, check this out, man. We were talking about going to get, I do some seminars where I talk to some, uh, some college mm. age kids every Wednesday. And uh, the person who hired me to do that uh, invited my son to come because she's known him for a while and she likes him. She said, hey, you know, she come and check it out and hang out with these other kids who are your age. And so uh, he's been doing that. So we were talking about getting sushi um, afterwards a couple of days ago. I said, hey, you can come to the seminar afterwards. We'll go get some sushi, catch up, blah, blah, blah. And so I told, I, so after the thing, I said, hey, you want to go get some sushi? He's like, well, yeah, but, you know, we went to the baseball game and, uh, you know, I had those fries and that pretzel at the baseball game. And so I'm really just going to go work out and make sure my diet is clean today. I go, dog, it's sushi. He goes, yeah, I know, but I, I really want to get back to eating some fruit today and just clean my system out. And I was just like, I feel you, bro. I feel you. But that's what I mean when I say he's kind of in your conversation, not mine, because I'm not quite with you yet. I'm a little I'm probably a tier below you. Yeah, and there's a lot of the times that I, I don't know if anybody really needs to to go to this level. <laughs> I mean, it's no, nah, but you know that's what makes you you. Well, and, and look, to be fair, I mean, this is like generally during the week. You, I mean, I'm not sitting here going, I refuse to eat everything constantly all the time. I mean, I, I do. Jeez. You know, I'll eat a pizza. You know, I, I'm not sitting here going, no, never do any of this. It's just it's in such moderation. You know, right, I really, right. you know, you got to live and enjoy yourself because. Although, I mean, you see, and that's another thing people like I've tried to explain this. I like the taste of kale and I eat a kale salad like every day now and I enjoy it. And I think it's delicious. And people are like, what the hell is wrong with you? It's like, yeah, I legitimately also, enjoy it. What's that other cereal you liked? Shredded wheat. Oh, yeah. The shredded wheat like that. that I used to or eat, with, but I don't do that grain anymore. Or whatever was that cereal? Yeah, it's just whole shredded wheat. Yeah. It's, it's, so you got you got weird taste buds anyway. Apparently. I know. People tell me that all the time. They're like, you don't really eat, like kale. You just eat it because it's healthy. It's like, no, I legitimately, See, I will eat it plain. I'll just eat a kale leaf and enjoy it. No, nah, like I've tried kale. I'm like, no, nah, I don't like it. Yeah. And, and but it's I interesting. Like spinach, but I don't like kale. You know, I like spinach too, but kale, man. And I guess most people don't like it because it's more bitter. And what kind of beers do but I love? IPA. I like, was, dude, I was literally just about to say that. Yeah. I mean, I like bitter. So that doesn't bother me at all. I actually really right. enjoy that part of it. The fact that it's healthy for me is just an added bonus. It's great. No, that's, that's probably it in a nutshell right there. That's yeah. probably it in a nutshell right there. Which is really, really nice. And, and I don't know, just something to it. So we'll move forward because we got to get into a little Cowboys here. And we need to tell you about our guys at HFX Foundation Solutions. Of course, Aaron, his crew, it's local, it's family owned. They do it all, man. They do any foundational issues you may have. They can work with drainage issues on your property. If you don't have gutters, they do gutter installations, which believe it or not, helps with your foundation. It's all those things. If you are noticing sticking doors, if you are noticing any type of situation like that where you've got cracks that weren't there before, you need to give them a call and reach out and have them come out, man. It's a free, no obligation inspection. And like you always kind of say, it, it's basically giving you peace of mind. Is there a problem? What's going on here? Oh, that's why we lovingly refer to it as a colonoscopy for your crib, man. I mean, everybody gets a colonoscopy or they should. Why? Because they shoot some cameras inside you to take a picture and make sure you're functioning good or well in all the places that you can't see. It's the same thing with your house, man. There's a lot of places that you can't see. Well, HFX goes in there, checks out those places and makes sure that they're fine, that they're good. Because I'm here to tell you, there's nothing that will take your home value down quicker than saying, hey, just so you know, I got a couple foundation problems. You know what? We'll go look at this other crib that don't have it. So. You go let Aaron and his team come over and check it out. Then even if you find something, chances are, chances are you find it early. And we all know the deal is if you find something early, you can take care of it. It's a fraction of the cost. And if you find it late, that's what Aaron and his team do. So give them a call. Let them come and give you the peace of mind that comes with knowing your crib is good to go. Easy to do, man. 817-770-0174. Just check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. So we move forward. As we mentioned at the top, it's crazy, but the Dallas Cowboys are jumping on a plane and heading to Oxnard, California on Monday. Will Zach Martin be on that plane? Because apparently the ESPN report from the other day confirmed by multiple outlets that Zach Martin is thinking of holding out of training camp because he wants a new contract. 
Now, what's interesting is he is under contract, so if he holds out, he would get fined. I don't know that he would do that, but then again, keep in mind that during workouts this offseason, Martin was there, but he told reporters he had a soft tissue injury. So he lied. Yeah, and you kind of, and we've kind of seen this with a couple of guys around the league that you don't hold out, but you hold in where, okay, I'll go to camp, but oh yeah, my my hamstrings bother me. I can't get on the field today. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the new version of hold out so that you don't get fined. Yeah. But um, no, it, it is what it is. And you know, I'm always for the players. So, you know, I understand it, but let's not, let's not get it twisted. Yeah, he lied about it. He ain't got no soft tissue injury. He was holding out. Yeah. And that's okay. I really don't have a problem with it. I'm all for every player getting with every nickel uh, he deserves. And you're talking about a guy, because here's the problem. So Zach Martin in 2018 signed a six-year, $84 million contract extension, making him at the time the highest paid guard in the NFL. He has been passed by guys now who are younger, but certainly do not have the, I guess you would make the resume that Zach Martin has. And if you're Zach Martin and you look at this and you go, okay, so Quentin Nelson is five years younger than me. He's getting paid more than me. You, you could look at it and right. say, Chris Lidstrom is six years younger than me. He's getting paid more than me. But the reality of it is, who is the first team all pro six times, two times he's been named second team. So an eight time all pro, well, not just that, he was first team all pro at guard in each of the last two seasons. Right, right. So we can point to that and say, look, I mean, I should, and apparently that's what he's saying. He wants to be paid fair market value, and he can make the case, I'm still the best guard in the NFL. I need to be paid like I'm the best guard in the NFL. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that, man. I believe that players should get whatever they should get, and I really don't have any issue with Zach Martin because he signed that deal in 2018. He didn't come back two years later and say, hey, the market's changed. Take care of me. I mean, he's waited five years. That's that's long enough for me for to say the market has changed. And now you, we know it's the Cowboys. Uh, you got a contract. Come on, Zach. You should just adhere to it. Well, they didn't do that with Zeke. <laughs> they didn't do that with Tank Lawrence. So it works both ways. It's the way that the NFL is, which is if you don't perform to your contract, we ask you to take a pay cut. Uh, if you do perform to it, uh, you know, it's okay for the player to ask for, for an increase in uh, – in salary and before some of y'all hit me up uh i like to use this example uh i just was i was just double checking to make sure it was right because I, I was pretty sure it was right because i was doing something and so i looked it up a little while ago but you know most of the time you ask a guy who has um underperformed his contract to take a pay cut um bro you know who took a pay cut who didn't underperform his contract? Hmm. Uh, I'm looking up for him right here. Uh, Aaron Jones for the Green Bay Packers. His contract was supposed to pay him, the contract that he signed, the contract that they signed him to, was supposed to pay him, I think, $16 million this year. Well, they cut his salary to eleven, And you can say that's still a lot of money, and it is, but bro, he gained a career high, 1,100 yards last year, averaged 4.4 per carry, caught a bunch of passes, and scored touchdowns. He played to his contract, and he still took a pay cut. <laughs> yeah. And you know why he took a pay cut? Hmm. He took a pay cut because they probably said, we can't afford this, and if you don't take a pay cut, then um, you know we'll probably have to cut you. And his agent told him, dog, they got us by the balls because if we get cut – you're not going to get $16 million on the open market. No doubt. So take this cut. So I'm looking at it. He gained 1,100 yards, scored two touchdowns, averaged 5.3 per carry, caught 60 passes, scored another five touchdowns, you know, 1,900 yards, 1,800 yards total offense. And, uh, bro, take a pay cut. <laughs> Yeah, it's a dirty, it's a dirty game out there, man. So if my whole point is, if Zach Martin says I want some more money, then I'm, I'm like, go for it, bro. Well, and the reality of it is, on average annual value of his contract, he's making fourteen million dollars a year. He is the eighth 
highest paid guard in the NFL. So right. while, and I don't even know that he's asking because Lindstrom and Nelson are making $20 million each a year. I don't know that he's asking that, but the, maybe you meet in the middle, you go, hey, 17 mil a year, which Jenkins, the guard from the Packers, is making 17 million a year as the third highest paid guard. And look, all those guys are younger than Zach Martin. So there's probably a little bit of understanding is, hey, I get they're younger than me, but they're obviously not that much better. They haven't caught me yet since I'm first team all pro the last two seasons. I need to be right. closer to their level than I am to the level of dudes that, you know, are making 13, 12 million dollars a year. No, I don't think there's any doubt. That's what he's saying. Uh, give me my money, man. Uh, I don't really care how you do it, how you got to dress it up so, you know, you can make it work with the cap, however you want to make it work. Plus, all this restructuring they've done, he's got a big cap number next year. This has to get restructured. And so uh, you might as well start off now and do it now in the form of an extension so you've got more room to maneuver. And the thing about guards is, what is Zach? Is he 32? Yeah, he he's can, 32. He can play very effectively. Like, I wouldn't expect significant dip for another uh, three or four years because he's playing an inside position. Um he should be fine as a viable player till he's 36, 37 if he wants to play that long. Yeah, he doesn't turn 33 until basically Thanksgiving uh, week, so he's got a, a few months. One more caveat about him. Uh, he's missed eight games in since 2014 when he showed up. Six of those were three years ago when he hurt his knee. Uh, so he's basically, outside of that year, he's missed two games. The other seven or eight seasons he's been in the yeah. league – Contrast that with a guy like Tyron Smith, who's been a great player. Tyron Smith, just so y'all know, hasn't played a 16-game schedule since he was 25 years old. Yeah, man. And he's still been outstanding in various forms of great while he's been playing. But he started missing games at 26, bro. Zach Martin's in his 30s, and he hadn't started missing games yet. I would pay Zach Martin and I would make sure he's happy because he is a rock anchor on your offensive line and a walk in to me first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, um, the only reason why he wouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer is there's just not a lot of love given to guards and centers. But he is tackles get a lot of love, but he's worthy. Wouldn't shock me if he was. But the only reason he wouldn't be is because people don't have a lot of love for guards and centers. As, as Steven will tell us, they've got some dry powder. We, 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 we have some dry powder to work with. We'll use it because Zach Martin needs a little bit of that dry powder. Hell yeah. The other thing, and I didn't know how this worked, and I, and I thought this was interesting because you had retweeted a clip off the Dominique Foxworth podcast that he does or show or whatever it is that he's doing. And I thought this was really interesting, and I bet a lot of people don't know about this. Because he had a solution for the running back position. And I'm sure many of you remember his name. I mean, he played in the NFL for a while. He hasn't played. God, man, he has been retired for at least 10 years. Played for the Broncos for a while, I know. And he bounced around for a few years. But he talked about something that I don't know how many people realize that this is a thing that might be a solution for the lack of pay for NFL running backs. And that is the performance-based pay program that the NFL has. And last year, the NFL spent $336 million in performance-based pay. So each squad received about $10.5 million. And basically what that is, is it's for... It's basically used for, say, I can tell you the number one guy last year was Marcus Epps, who was a safety for Philadelphia. He was originally a six-round draft pick in 2019. So he's got that rookie contract of a six-round pick. He right. received $880,000 in performance-based pay last year, which was more than his actual salary from his contract. So really, this program is supposed to help guys more so that are draft picks that outperform their lower level rookie undrafted free agent guys and all this that aren't making a lot of money that are performing to a right. level in which they should get paid more. Right. That's what it's designed for. And so Dominic's suggestion was they should take, he said it's $336 million. They don't spend it all. And they can take a portion of that money and say, hey, if you're a running back and you hit certain thresholds, 
uh, you unlock the ability to get this money. It's kind of like a bonus for surpassing your contract or, you know, like that. And to me, that made the most sense because that's money that's already available. Like nobody has to create more or put in more. It's already there and you're not using it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to put it to a standard where if you do this, this, and this, you have to get it. Because that reminded me of like the NBA contracts where you want a super max contract and you got to be first team all NBA. You got to do this and you got to do that. And if you hit those thresholds, which are incredibly hard to reach, so only a handful of guys are going to reach it. But if you reach that, then the reward is you get this super max contract. And so I really had no issue with that. I'm like, that's probably the most well thought out reasoned approach that I've heard to the process uh, since we all started talking about it a week ago. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, man, because it, and that's been one of the fascinations of conversation recently is the NFL continues to grow in money. The salary cap continues to go up. Franchise tags for every position continue to go up, except for running back where the franchise tag has been going down. And we yeah. all see this running backs are making less and less and less money. And yet that's still a position of importance it may only, and I get it. I, I understand if a team's sitting here going, based on all the statistical data that we have, the chances of an NFL running back being viable for seven years are slim to none. So we're going to run you to death for four or five years. And then if you're still good, we'll tag you. But we're not going to extend you past that because, I mean, we can all name the running backs who did anything past that age. Exactly. So I understand the NFL team's not wanting to pay that. But man, this, yeah, when I saw that, because I listened to that whole clip, I was like, damn, dude, what a brilliant idea this guy has. And it makes sense from something that I, because I knew that they did performance-based pay, but I didn't realize that that was an NFL requirement where it comes from the NFL and all teams have access to it. And it's not necessarily like part of the team's salary cap or anything of that nature. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's just a pool of money that they use to take care of players. It was a great idea when, like, I don't know who came up with the idea. It's a great idea when they came up with it because there are a lot of guys who are outperforming their contracts and getting screwed because you got to wait four years to get paid if you're a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick. Or Tony Romo, uh, undrafted free agent, comes in and plays above his contract. Yeah. And this is a way to just fairly compensate you for what you're doing. Um, so, you know, that uh, – that made sense to me. And just like his idea makes sense to me. So it's all, it all makes sense to me, man. And that's to me is the most important thing. Yeah. As long as it makes sense and everybody is happy. We'll see how it goes though. Cause I I'm very curious with Saquon. I can't imagine that that dude is, is not on the field when the giants play the Cowboys, because it's one thing to, to say, okay, I'm holding out because he's not under contract. So he's not getting fined by not going right. But I have a hard time believing he's going to miss actual paychecks when the season begins. And maybe he will because when we kind of talked, he's gotten money. He's, he's got whatever it was, like $38 million in his career so far. But man, that, that's when, when the NFL season starts and that almost million dollars a week paycheck isn't there, that's when I start wondering how serious these guys are about I'm going to just not play and miss out on $10 million this season. Well, it depends on who you are, man. And we talked a little bit about this. Saquon Barkley has already pocketed $38 million. He may have options that uh, Josh Jacobs, who's pocketed $15 million, yeah. doesn't have. Um, and, you know, Tony Pollard, as we talked about, has only made about $4 million. Now, only is always a relative statement. Well, he's like, okay, I'm going to take this 10 Just like Dalton Schultz said, uh, y'all can do whatever, man. I'm going to take this 10 even though I think I want more because it represents more than I've ever made, two or three times more than I've made my entire career. And the reality of it is that can be life-changing generational wealth, $10 million in a year, if you take care of it and you handle it properly. Uh, you know, but if you've already been Saquon Barkley and you've already tasted it, then it doesn't have the same impact on your life. It's still a lot of money, but it doesn't have the same impact. And so he may have options other people don't. Yeah, it's... It's going to be really, really interesting in the next couple of weeks. The whole Saquon thing, Dalvin Cook, who nobody has signed yet, where he's going to wind up, how that's going to play out. We finally saw DeAndre Hopkins going to Tennessee. But the NFL is almost upon us, man. By the time we get together next week, we're talking about the Cowboys going to training camp, the state of the team address, all that happening next week. And we'll be there for it. 
it is going to wrap up here. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will talk to you guys the beginning of next week, Cowboy Camp Week, which is crazy. And we also might have some big news for you next week, which should be fun. So yes, we'll sir. See. We'll see how that goes. But have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.